You've probably heard it all before, but this time, let Dr. Lanker connect the dots in a way that makes the Christian faith come alive. I'm your host, Dr. Jason Lanker, and I'm here to help you connect the dots. As a pastor and professor for the last 30 years, I want to help you not only understand the Christian faith, but to make it a transformative part of your everyday experience. Join me as we connect the dots. In our last episode, we talked about the historical background of discipleship, that it wasn't something that Jesus invented, but something that Jesus actually built off of. So when he called these people to come follow him, they knew what they were getting themselves into, and they actually had expectations of what Jesus was going to do for them as well. But if we're going to take Jesus' discipleship and make that our discipleship, then we need to understand a little bit more deeply what it is that was actually going on in this discipleship. To do that, I find it's best to walk through the Gospels and look at how Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John talk about discipleship. By and large, they talk about it the same across all four Gospels, but there are distinct differences. And so I just want to highlight some of those uniquenesses that stand out in each one of those Gospels and hopefully draw it together to have a fuller picture of what biblical discipleship looks like. First, we see that his disciples would leave where they were at and they would follow him wherever they went. That's why he calls them from the sea in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, or in chapter 8, verse 2, or 13, verse 36. The disciples are constantly leaving where they're at and going wherever Jesus is going because they want him to be in control. Like Jesus says in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, he says, you know what? Come to me, all of you who are weary and work to the point of exhaustion, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you. This is what he was offering to people everywhere that he went, was that they could follow him and that in following him and yoking themselves to him, like a yoke would be used to put two oxen together, where one oxen went, the other one went. It's actually a really beautiful image for how Jesus planned to do discipleship. That's because they would often take an older oxen and pair them with a younger oxen in the time when Jesus was teaching. And so he's probably looking at a pair of oxen right there that is the old guy and the young one. And what the old one would do is that they would show the young one how to actually walk this field and how to bear this burden. So it isn't that Jesus is just going to tell us what to do. He's literally going to show us and walk alongside of us in this journey, which is really powerful in what Matthew shows throughout his gospel. He also gives them the same ministry. It wasn't that Jesus was just standing there the whole time going, hey, watch me. I'm awesome. Yes, you are. But he was saying, I want you to do the same type of ministry. That's what was expected of discipleship. That's what was incredible to everyone who accepted his offer. They knew they were the losers. They knew they were the ones that had been passed over by all the other rabbis. But this rabbi came and sought them out and said, I want to teach you the ways of the kingdom. And whatever you see me do, however you see me interacting with other people, that's how you'll do it as well. That was a powerful offer to them. And so it's no surprise that he sends them out and says, hey, go ahead and go claim this message of the kingdom and and heal the sick, raise the dead, do the things that you're seeing me do, because I'm not just doing this for my own benefit. I'm trying to pass this ministry on. And the way that he did this hits really powerfully in chapter 12 when he says, hey, you are a new family. 
I've pulled you away from your families. I've pulled you away from your jobs that you guys have been doing for centuries. This is the new job that will center you, that will be the focus of your life and that you will pass on to your children's children. And it isn't just your children that you have by blood. It's the children that you have by the spiritual rebirth that you have experienced under my discipleship and that you're going to pass on to others in this process. We have to hold on to this message and we have to live with and for each other. To do this, this shows up throughout Matthew's gospel, you have to give up everything. The thing that's most important in this life is discipleship to Jesus. I mean, think about it. If the greatest person who you could ever imagine showed up at your door, your hero, and said, I will teach you how to do this, but you got to come follow me. And I promise you, people will be saying your name the way they say my name if you do everything I tell you to do and you follow me just with a deep sense of trust. This is what the disciples knew they were getting in on. What a great offer. And this is discipleship to the greatest rabbi, the one who's putting everybody else in their place. We know it at this point that this is the son of God. So who better to be discipled to? To the one who made and sustains this universe. What an incredible gift. Throughout Matthew's gospel, they show this understanding of his teaching, that they're kind of following along, they're growing. Um, It doesn't show up the same in other gospels, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. And in the end, what they are called to do is to carry out the Great Commission. Their job is to make more disciples who make more disciples who make more disciples who make more disciples. In essence, this family analogy that Jesus gave all the way back at the beginning of his ministry with them isn't just an analogy to be able to push his blood relatives off and say, you're not my responsibility at this time. It was his way to be able to say to these followers, man, you are jumping into something that you will be a part of for a lifetime. This will never end. This is our family business. Mark picks that up and continues with that concept of it being a family business by showing how from the very beginning, Jesus is at home. He's doing work from home. We miss this a lot of times. When uh, the paralytic is being healed, they, they don't just rip the roof off somebody's house. It says at the beginning of chapter 2, they rip it off Jesus's house. So he is right there in the middle of everyday life, teaching his followers how to really live everyday discipleship. And that everyday discipleship, that was their job. It was to live in and for the kingdom of God, even if they don't understand it. And that's what Mark's gospel highlights more than anything else in all the four gospels, is the disciples show themselves to be just idiots over and over again. They miss who Jesus is. Well, by tradition, we know that Mark didn't just write his gospel. He's writing the gospel for Peter. And who do we know Peter to be? The biggest knucklehead of the group. So no wonder when he portrays discipleship, he portrays it as these bumbling idiots who are barely getting along. That's super encouraging, though, because how often do we feel living this life with Jesus for his kingdom and for his goodness, but bumbling idiots who make more mistakes than we do things right? And yet Peter is never rejected. In fact, he's redeemed over and over again. He's brought back and said, hey, 
I won't give up on you. Let's just keep taking this journey. What Jesus is looking for, and this is another thing that Mark highlights of discipleship in his gospel, especially in chapter 9, verses 33 to 37, he goes ahead and shows that discipleship is for the people who are really humble. They're the people like when Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration, he says, I really want you to do this. I I believe, but help my unbelief. The ones who can't say, I'm trying, I want to believe, I want to trust, But so often I just fall short. Those are the ones who are going to miss out on the goodness that Jesus has to teach them. And Mark really wants to highlight that point. If anything comes out of Mark's gospel where he talks about discipleship, it's that we need to understand that disciples are not perfect. That's a huge pushback from what most of us think of. We think that discipleship is about being perfect. No, discipleship is simply about being with Jesus. He knows we're not perfect. You need to accept it as well. He'll walk you through this process and he'll grow you. But you're so jacked up. You're so inadequate to the Son of God. You're not going to make it. He has this grace. He has this kindness to him that he's just going to continue to see us further down the road than what we would have been without him. So that's where Luke picks up in this story of discipleship. He says he wants to take anybody and literally he wants to take anybody. In chapter 8, at the very beginning of it, it talks about Jesus' work with his disciples, and it also mentions some women. It doesn't show up as clearly in English, but in Greek, it makes it clear that these women are disciples of Jesus alongside of these apostles. And that should push back on some of our perceptions. Jesus had a lot of people following him to be like him, men and women, 15 to 18-year-olds, and 40-year-olds. They were across the spectrum. They were anybody who said, I don't know how to live life in the kingdom of God. I want to be taught. I want to learn. I want to grow. And he said, come follow me. That's why in John 6:66, really kind of dangerous passage there, he says that many of his disciples stopped following him. For many of them to stop following him, but for him to still have a bunch still there following means he had even more than that. So Jesus is throwing open the doors for people to come follow him, completely unlike the discipleship we see in the ancient world, especially with the Jewish discipleship. It was for a select few who were the best of the best of the best. Jesus turned the tables and he said, no, I'm going to take everybody in. And the people who stick with me to the end, those are my true disciples. They're the ones who want me more than what I have to give to them. I'm not just a genie for them. I am life itself. So Jesus includes and does discipleship with large groups, with small groups, with medium-sized groups, with women, with men. Anyone who wanted to become like Jesus could follow him. It though required this, and Jesus hits this more times in Luke than any other gospel that it's recorded, you have to count the cost. Luke 14 is just a key passage for this where he talks about the fact that the one who's going to go to war, the one who's going to build a building, they, they don't do that just willy-nilly. They go ahead, they think about what's going to happen. How's this road going to play out? What is this going to cost? Is it worth it? Because Jesus is saying in the end, discipleship is not an easy road. Think about it. If you center your whole life around being around Jesus and his family so that you can become more like him, 
and that you can live in his kingdom in such a way that his kingdom shows up more regularly in the world around you. It's going to push back against your family. It's going to push back and make work not as easy as it used to be. It's going to push back against friends and volunteer work and lots of different things are going to have to change because of this. But Jesus says over and over, it's worth it. It is so worth it. Come follow me. I have the best thing to offer you. And this Beth's thing wasn't just what he had in the moment. When we come to the book of John, John really highlights how discipleship moves forward. In, in his gospel, in chapter 14, he says, it's a good thing that Jesus is leaving. Why? Because now we have the Spirit. The one who had to be only in one place, one time, has now unleashed our connection to God to any time and every place because we have the Spirit living and dwelling within us. He also gives us direct access to God through prayer. And they're accepted for not being perfect. This is a process. We'll get there. But because we get, have God's Holy Spirit in us, He will work through us and make us like His Son in this process. That's why when we come to the book of Acts, the book of the Acts of the Apostles slowly begins to use the word disciple less and less. So much so that by the time we get to Romans all the way to Revelation, it's never used again. Instead, another term begins to be used in the process. We see it best in chapter 11, verse 26, after Barnabas has gone to go get Paul. He brings him back to Antioch, and it says that the disciples are first called Christians in Antioch. So disciples are Christians, and Christians are disciples. If you understand the word or have heard where we got the word Christian, it should make sense. The word Christian was actually a derogatory term that the world around the Christians had made up. It was little Christ. It was mini-me. Hey, your master got crucified. Would you like to be as well? The Christians, in essence, said, yes, if you cursed him, curse us as well. We want to be just like our master. We want to be little Christs, which is exactly what the goal of discipleship is, to become exactly like your master so that you do think and live in a way that whoever interacted with you would be saying, man, are you Jesus? That is what the gift of discipleship is that God gave to us. And that gift of discipleship is given through Christianity. When we miss that point, we often turn discipleship into a second act of Christianity. Hey, I'm a Christian. If I want to be a disciple, then I get to be a disciple. That's not at all what's talked about in the scriptures. To be a Christian is to be a disciple. And to be a disciple is to be like our master. This is the great gift that God gave to these original people and he gives to every single one of us throughout all history. If you follow me, if you stick with my people, I will make you just like me. And the same kind of work that the Spirit worked through me, he will work through you in the families that he has purposefully placed you in who desperately need his kingdom work so badly. He will do his goodness inside of these workplaces, inside these churches, inside these communities where his disciples are being taught and trained by him to be completely like him from beginning to end, great to small, men and women, young and old, everyone 
has this opportunity to not only know Jesus, but to be like him. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast. And if you'd like more information, please visit us at drjasonlanker.com. That's D-R-Jason-L-A-N-K-E-R. May you go in the grace of God, and may you not just understand the Christian faith, but live it more fully this week.